I was just thinking I'm lucky that I when I started teaching they were doing away with blackboards because that I can't even I can't even touch chalk that shit like oh ugh, I hate the way that feels yeah depending on the angle of the chalk I know what you mean but for the most part I was good with chalkboards oh mm-hmm. man even think but even thinking about it kind of gets me a little you know. I know I know I feel like have you ever seen that scene have you ever seen um yo man I'm telling you they put stuff in grass in Pennsylvania because. After I cut grass, my brain goes fucking I don't know where. But what the but is it, American History X? Have you ever seen American History X? I've seen bits of bits of it. Well, there's a famous scene in American History X when when uh, Edward Norton's character, the Nazi guy, uh, beats up a black guy and then he puts he makes him bite the curb and then he stomps on his head. You, do you remember Damn. that part? Yeah, it's pretty aggressive. That's Jeez. what that's how I feel like when I hear chalk like a chalkboard like. I feel it in my teeth for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is the Welcome to the Show podcast brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show to get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download. That's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show. CT, what's good? Hi, Manuel. Wow. Full name there. The respect. <laughs> the respect. The respect is what's real. Up? What's I, up? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm all right. I'm good. Real good, huh? Feels good, right? The Yankees are rolling along. <laughs> Feels good, I doesn't mean, it, to be on the other side? I mean... 17 and 11, eight out of the last 10 games on on basically with it with the right hand tied tied around their back and limping. I mean, I can't yeah. complain. It's truly, truly magical. You would almost say that some guys are having career years. I would. I would say that. I would say that Gio Urshela has been or Urshela, however you say his name, I don't care. Sue me. Yeah. Um, is having a career year because he is uh, for now. Um, yeah. I would say I that kidding. I was uh, kidding. By the way, I was kidding. Oh, okay. I, I'm not. I, I'm not gonna take. I'm not taking away credit from the Yankees. <laughs> um, it's fun, but it's crazy how like a what one year does because I don't think. I think the Yankees' worst uh baseball was in April last year, right? I think, but mm-hmm. I don't remember them being as bad as the Red Sox were. And, like we're to the point that we're seven seven games back of first place. And toward the end of the of the year, the Yankees were kind of sucking a little bit. Um, well, yeah, yeah. But that's but, when you guys also, you know, at, towards the end, you started beating up on the Red Sox a little bit, too. So you yeah. kind of went into the postseason with a little bit of momentum. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But, Tiny bit of momentum. Yeah, right. Just a little bit. Not, not enough to get past the first round. But we don't need to discuss what happened in the past, CT. Let's You're discuss right. what's going to happen in the future. Because today, we're going to... Well, before we get into today, let's talk about the future as in on Thursday... Part two of the Nick Francona interview will be out. In that episode, you're going to hear about some of the things that Nick Francona uh, uncovered while he was working with the Los Angeles Dodgers, some of the shady practices that was going on there with the international signing, and um, and some other stuff that happened while he was with the New York Mets. Then on Friday, hopefully, we're going to interview... George Stechko, I hope I pronounce his last name properly. When we talk to him, I'll make sure I got the proper pronunciation. But anyway, he was a retired 31-year veteran of the FBI who was in charge of Operation Equine, 
which exposed steroid abuse in baseball as early as the 1980s. So we're going to take you to the 1980s, early 1990s, where the FBI actually informed Major League Baseball about steroid abuse happening in Major League Baseball. And as we know, what did Major League Baseball do, CT? Nothing. Nothing. And we got, you know... I can't, I'm kind of glad they did nothing because I wouldn't have had 1998 with Barry Bonds and not Barry Bonds with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Um, but just you could just see some of the hypocrisy that that has gone on in Major League Baseball and some of the shit that we're trying to trying to put out there into the world so that we can fix the game that we love, make baseball mm-hmm. great again, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and I think make baseball great again might actually be in the other direction. Let these guys take steroids since you know <laughs> that was the greatest time of baseball, yeah, right? <laughs> That was the Imagine. golden era. Just like it could be, I know you never saw the wire, but it could be like Amsterdam. Like in this, in this right here, as long as you're inside the stadium, you can inject yourself with what with whatever the hell you want to inject yourself with. Um, little wire reference. So CT, <laughs> since I totally <laughs> lost you with that reference, <laughs> yeah, because I've never watched the wire, but I'm going to once. Game of Thrones finishes. I think I'm a, I could finally in you know take on another show, and I think The Wire is a good one. Okay, so since we're since, since we're talking about HBO shows, let's jump into really quick uh, the game Game of Thrones. All right, so we're gonna do this every week until Game of Thrones is over, which I think is it's gonna be over in, in a couple of weeks, so it won't last that long. But I want you, a Game of Thrones enthusiast, enthusiast to try to convince me. A Game of Thrones adversary, even though I'm not really an adversary, I just don't watch the show, uh, to try to convince me to watch the show by reviewing the latest episode. And um, if you if you do spoilers, you know we just have to make sure we add that to the episode description so we don't piss anybody off. Um, yeah. So go ahead, uh, CT. If, we, if we're doing an episode review, there are there probably are going to be spoilers, so skip ahead. For, I don't even know how we would mark this, but skip ahead to, to yeah, not just ref- hear right. the spoilers. Just but refer real quick. So you right. go ahead, Manny. Go ahead. I was Sorry. gonna say just refer to the episode description, and it'll tell you when this segment is gonna end. If you haven't noticed lately, we've yes. been putting the time that each segment begins. So if you don't want to hear what happens in Game of Thrones, I could give two shits because I don't watch the show. Um, that's kind of the idea of the segment. Um, then just well, skip ahead. Well, that's the thing. If I spoil it, what's like you're not by the time that you finally do come around to watch Game of Thrones, you're probably not going to remember what I'm telling you, anyways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're definitely going to know a couple characters that are not going to die anytime soon. So I don't think it matters because there's so in the one episode that I watch, there's so many goddamn characters that I can't keep them keep blah, can't keep them straight in my head anyway. So yeah, by, but by the time this season comes along, I'm pretty sure there's going to be so many, there's going to be a clusterfuck of characters in my forehead that you know I'm not yeah. going to be able to keep straight. Well, real quick, I mean, you mentioned HBO shows before. Have you ever watched an HBO show that you were disappointed in? Um, that's funny, man. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, no. Can you think of any that are off the charts that you would recommend if you were like, wow, you have to watch this show because it's good? Well, for me, that's The Wire in, H- okay. in terms of HBO shows. Is that the only one? Maybe The Sopranos, too. Maybe The Sopranos. Well, the thing about The Sopranos is, and we have a bias in this. So, yes, we were both born in New York City. Yes, for the most part, you grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in New York. I moved I moved to New Jersey at the same time that they were filming The Sopranos. 
And not only was it the same time that they were filming The Sopranos, they were filming the goddamn show in my town in New Jersey. So when yeah, you when you walk too. yeah, and in and in North Arlington, when you walk past, I think it was St. Cecilia's on Ridge Road. If you're from Kearney, New Jersey, you know what I'm talking about. If you're from every other place in the world, you you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But we're Satchery houses. That's literally like I would say like a five minute walk from where my high school was. Uh, Pizza Land, uh, which you'll see in the opening credits, was behind the house that I grew up, that I uh, that I lived in for a few years while I was in high school. Um, so, like you know, in that sense, like I remember watching the show and be like, "Oh, I recognize that. I recognize this. I know what this is. I know what that is." Um, but for me, The Wire goes above The Sopranos. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, all right, so. I don't really care when there's a big hype about something. I'm not the first. I don't just run it. It took me. I think I started watching Game of Thrones when it was already on season five or six. Mm. But uh, I'm all caught up. And no life, this huh? last episode, I think you would appreciate Game of Thrones because, yeah, there's a lot of characters, but they really take their time. They don't just throw a character at you. And, you know, are you sure? Because in episode one, they sure did. Well, that's episode one. Obviously, every character is. Is a I know, that's thrown but I mean, like, if you're gonna make love to a woman, let's say you take it slow, right? You don't, you just want to get to, you know, you don't, you don't want to just hit the home run right away. You want to, you know, get a little bit of first base, a little bit of second base, a little bit of third, and then you hit the home run. But in Game of Thrones, it's like, here you go, guys, boom! Like, I'm just gonna fuck you in the ass right here. Wow, that was aggressive. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is, it, the thing is, is that they it takes it starts right when everything starts. Like that first episode is what sets at this was sets up. The rest of the entire series, like yeah, yeah, there's significant points in that in that episode, which is why all those characters had to be there because it's all related. And yeah, they really take their time developing these characters, and it does suck when one of them finally does die, one that you care about. But mm-hmm. it, it's also satisfying when they finally kill off a you know an evil person. And this last episode was a great ass episode. I was actually freaking out watching it the whole time. Oh really? Yeah, I was actually freaking out watching it the whole time because it was just the craziest battle that I've ever seen. I think in ter- well, because I know what was at stake, so it was a crazy ass battle. And the only thing I didn't like was that there's this. Uh, you're not gonna know what I'm talking about, but the White Walker, his the Night King. He's the, called the Night King on the show. His death was like kind of easy in terms of what how it ended up being. I'm happy he's gone. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like the buildup for him was just too big. Like the shit that he did and during the series, you only got to see him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He's like this almighty powerful character, and then his death came by the hands of a girl, like a little. I don't know how old she is. She must be like fifteen in the show. It was like a, a lazy, a lazy departure. No, no, it wasn't lazy by any stretch of the imagination. Take that phrase. Uh, <laughs> it's just I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like. You probably never watched Dragon Ball Z growing up. Nope. They go overboard when it comes to the boss battle and the main character. It's overboard. It'll it'll be like we have five minutes to finish this battle, but it goes on for like twenty episodes, right? <laughs> I was expecting at least a two part episode for this guy's like battle, kind of mm. is what I'm saying. Mm. But uh, in a way, I'm kind of happy because again, it was really you know freaky freak. I was freaking out watching the episode to begin with. And yeah, the only other thing I didn't like as well is that these characters just keep getting put through hell and they just keep surviving like all these, you know, main characters, which is cool. But uh So I'm I'm still yeah. so 
it's hard to convince you. It's hard to convince <laughs> you on season eight, episode three, when you haven't watched any of the show. Because I don't know. I, like I don't know. I just don't know how to convince you, man. All right. Okay. Well. So okay. So this White Walker. Why is he such a bad guy? Seems He's... like a nice dude. <laughs> so the White Walkers. Are, the White Walkers are like zombies, kind of, and but they're, you know, I guess made of ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I it's a lot. It's a lot to explain. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you see, you. But why can't why can't you just watch? Take my word for it, and by season two, you'll like it. Okay. I mean, sure, fine. All right. And if you're, have you ever cried in a movie before or a show? I, no. <laughs> I've. I really. Not, I really have I never. Have. I have. Yeah. Okay. I've never. Okay. You have. I haven't. I was close to crying in about two episodes of this show in the entire show hmm. that's a big deal i only ever almost cried in armageddon the movie mm-hmm. when bruce willis dies <laughs> i really almost cried there like that whole scene where he's talking to his daughter oh, but man. the day that i watched that i was i was at home i was like in high school and i was sick so i was like on medicine and stuff mm-hmm. yeah sure that was it it was medicine um <laughs> i cried so i'm gonna admit this Although I should be ashamed of it, I have a full explanation for why this happened. So when when our when our this is gonna take a, a, a dark turn here for a second, just bear with me for a few minutes. When our grandmother passed away, um, we had me and my wife had come back. Did my wife go to DR? No, she didn't. I went to DR, came back, and like a week later, we watched The Notebook. I had never watched that movie before. Have you ever watched The Notebook? No, and I don't plan on watching it. Uh, I would give it give it a good ten years, you know, from now because of you know our, our most our most recent death in our family. It's too fresh okay. in our memories. But anyway, it deals with with an old couple who are in love, and there's like memory loss involved, which hits home. I literally cried like a baby to the point like where when me and my wife like think about it, we start cracking up because it was like like. Uh, <laughs> It was like you can't like like you remember when you were a kid and you would cry really hard and you just like couldn't even talk and the words came out funny and everything was just like fucked yeah. up. It was that kind of crying. Like I haven't I haven't cried like that in like probably twenty five years. It was fucking nuts. But um, damn, that's out there in the in the in the world now forever. <laughs> you can't take that back. <laughs> no, unless you edit it out. But um, yeah. So all right, I'm gonna. So let me let me after, let me bring this back. Let me yeah. bring this back. <laughs> yes, please. Bring it back. Please. <laughs> Listen, if you like the way things look when they film, like if you like the way things are directed and the way yes. they're edited and everything, you you would love Game of Thrones because every time I watch that show, I just think to myself like, where the hell and how the hell did they film this type mm-hmm. of shit? Well, it's all CGI, so, isn't it? No, the dragons are CGI, and maybe like the millions of army men in the background are, are cgi but for the most part i think they're out there in like greenland or something in the earth yeah well i know yeah. that so okay so the the show the movie or show or whatever that i compare the most to game of thrones and i've never watched game of thrones so i mean i watched one episode is the lord of the rings and i actually liked that those movies i remember reading the books in high school and stuff like that and mm-hmm. um even that like Today, I don't think I would rewatch those movies. It was just too. It was just too much. It was just too many characters, too many places, too many this. Too, even the Avengers. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's yeah. just like, what? What the fuck is happening here? Yeah, I haven't really caught up. With, I haven't bothered to keep up with the Avengers. It's just too much, and I really don't care 
about it at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, but that's another story. I've never watched Lord of the Rings, um, but I've heard I, I've always heard that that's like one of the best trilogies. It is. It, I remember watching yeah. it in the moment, and I thought I wasn't gonna like it, and I loved it, and I was like obsessed with it. Like it, like first day it came out at the movies, I went to go see it. Like that kind of obsession. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So I'm gonna watch Game of Thrones. I don't know when, but it's gonna happen. Um, let's continue with let's these go. reviews on a weekly basis, and let's see if you could do a better job at convincing me. Because today, CT, you did a shitty job. <clears throat> I mean, okay, whatever. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Sticking with entertainment, I want to. So before we started recording, I asked you if you had ever watched the fire, uh, the fire festival documentaries. There's one on Netflix and one on on Hulu. I've been piecemealing them, piecemealing them together. Like if if my wife happens to go to bed earlier than I do, I'll put it on and I'll watch like a half hour of it at a time or whatever, which is kind of dorky in a way. But I like while I'm editing some work or something, I'll have it on in the background. So. Mm-hmm. There's one on Hulu and there's one on Netflix. I didn't watch the one on Hulu yet, but the one on Netflix. The Fire Festival was about this dude um, who is somewhat of an entrepreneur and he's from New Jersey and he befriends Ja Rule and him and Ja Rule come up with this plan to to make like this amazing festival in an island by Bermuda, oh. I think it is. And they yeah, book okay. like yeah, they book like a bunch of artists. It's a documentary, so there's no such thing as spoilers in documentaries. But you have to watch it to see how they concocted this plan and how, like what an epic fail it was. Um, yeah, because isn't this related to when Ja Rule uh, got on, went to the NBA, that one NBA game, and nobody was cheering for him? Yeah, well, I think people hated him after that because they they put in like millions of dollars of work into this thing or pretended to, and we're getting investors to, to pay them money and stuff like that, book wow. talent and stuff like this and, and didn't pull through. So you had all, like hundreds of thousands, you know, hundreds, hundreds of people, thousands of people coming to the small Island, expecting to like stay in a, in a cabana or whatever with a nice bed and air conditioning. But instead they, they arrived to like tents and their luggage didn't arrive until the middle of the night. And oh there was, you know, the artists started to pull out and they ran out of money. And they was like, there was like no food, no water. They were like trapped on this island. It was like the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's one of the, the, the dopest documentaries I've ever, you know, watched in terms of like how crazy the story was. Like Screwball was amazing because of how insane, you know, every twist here and there, there was a twist coming with Fire Festival, you knew what the ending was, but just how they got to the ending, you're just like, holy shit! Like, what what's wrong with these people? And not only that, it, it doves it's it doves even deeper because the way that they they fleeced all these people into coming to this festival was through social media. They were like social media geniuses, and they made you just feel like if you're not at this festival, you're gonna miss out on the greatest event of all time or whatever. But it was a crock of shit. It was all bullshit. You know what I mean? And it, That's it crazy. Just, I had no idea. Yeah, it just shows you how social media is can be used to manipulate people on like a whole new level. And it's something like my wife and I talk about all the time. How like people only post shit on social media that looks good and makes you like they post their food or whatever. What's the point of that? It's to it's to say like, oh, I, this is what I'm eating tonight. You know what I mean? What are you eating? Um, yeah, I kind of don't even. I don't. I rarely post stuff on social media i upload stuff to the live story sometimes because i'm mm-hmm. like what the hell what the hell am i using this for if i'm not gonna upload something but i'm seriously considering deleting it yeah i mean for, for a little bit for for a small 
I'm going to call us a business, a small business like ours. Social media is essential to to our promotion because we can't afford big big time commercials like some of these other people can. And and we're not a part of Barstool Sports or any of these big companies or whatever yet. Yeah. Um. So we have to rely on social media. But I don't I mean, I'm trying to remember, have we ever like pretended like we were somewhere that we weren't or like that we were putting something out there that we actually aren't putting out there you know what i mean no not um not that i know of not intentionally at least yeah and it seems like that's what social media is built for and and if you look at the most successful social media people there's a form of manipulation there like nobody's life is that you know perfect even this kylie jenner chick whoever the fuck she is that has millions of, of followers on social media like there's yeah. some drama there somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And uh, But I think, yeah, I just think people stop using common sense, you know? Yeah, right. I think common sense kind of got lost over the years. And uh, I've, I've always hated social media for that reason because I'm like, it's everyone doing the same shit. Right. Um, and people buy into it kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and common, but, that was the perfect way to, to, uh, to sum up fire the fire festival documentaries again one on netflix one on hulu it's people lose their common sense there were there were kids like college age kids or or kids in their in their 20s or who are starting their careers and maybe have a few extra thousand dollars to spend and they're spending five thousand dollars to go to this uh deserted island that apparently was uh pablo escobar's island or whatever um to, to this festival that for why like why go somewhere you know what i mean like you, you just listen to the music on your fucking ipad and and, and go I on mean, with your life i don't know i never heard of that but i'm definitely gonna check it out now that you've mentioned it it's good man it's a crazy it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> that's all i gotta say it's crazy, crazy. <laughs> all right and then the last thing on the entertainment we're talking a lot of entertainment today we haven't even gotten to baseball yet but um, John Singleton uh, had a stroke a couple of weeks ago, uh, and he was put on life support. And yesterday, his family put out that they were going to take him off of life support, and he has officially passed away. And I wanted to dedicate some time to John Singleton because he was very influential for me. I know that I'm not a successful filmmaker, and that our podcast is still up, you know, is on the come up still. It's not, a, it's not where we want it to be exactly yet, but we're getting there. Um, but in, in terms of the movies that I love and that I grew up watching, John Singleton was super influential. I remember, I remember watching Boys in the Hood for the first time, like it was yesterday and watching, yeah. uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. For me, it was the first time I had ever seen him. And, um, Lawrence Fishburne as his father and Ice Cube. For me, Ice Cube was a rapper. That was the first time I saw him acting. Um, and then in Poetic Justice with Tupac and, and uh, Janet Jackson, that was another really good movie, underrated. And when my best friend and I, my best friend and I, Gus, we really loved this movie more than the other three, Higher Learning. That was like one of our favorite movies, maybe because we were a little bit older at that time. But um, yeah, so he passed away and we lost, a, for me, we lost a giant. Like he was still young. There was still a lot to come from him. And it's just, it's unfortunate that he had to pass away you know, now. Yeah. Um, super young, right? 51. I think it was 50 yeah. in his fifties. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a movie buff like you are because you know, you, you like movies on another level, like how it's directed, how it's written all that stuff. But I will say this boys in the hood is probably the, I don't know a movie that 
there's not too many movies that capture like what that movie was supposed to be about if i'm making any sense like yeah. that's the perfect west coast in the hood boys in the hood type of movie and i think it's it's just like a classic every time it's on i have to watch it mm-hmm. it's one of those movies so that's all i'm gonna say and it was the first of its kind you know like i remember after yeah. after boys in the hood came uh fresh i don't think i don't think john singleton directed fresh i'm pretty sure it wasn't but it, it was a similar type movie like it took place in the hood it, it didn't it didn't glorify the hood um you know it it was it's for me it's kind of like the martin scorsese mob movies where yeah yeah where people get like kind of you know a lot of people say like oh they're glorifying violence and all this shit that's not the point of it like there's a culture there that they're trying to 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 put out to you and for me that's what boys in the hood was it was showing you the hood culture it was it was you know ice yeah. cube was was a gangster or a drug dealer but he he also wanted his brother i think cuba gooding jr was his brother i can't remember no nah, he was not uh, ice cube ice cube's cousin? brother in the movie was a uh, i think they were cousins or best friends but uh ice cube's brother in that movie was ricky the guy that dies that dies yeah he want, yeah he was supposed to go to, on to play football or something right so anyway he you know he wanted him to succeed and like that you know you know when people go through the hood a lot of times um they're you know they they enter with skepticism and they enter as if they're entering like this dimension where there's no there's 100% guaranteed chance that there's going to be an act of violence and in my experience i knew i know that i grew up in a section of washington heights that didn't that wasn't necessarily considered the hood i was on the west side by j hood Wright park um but you know i taught in harlem i had students when i was a social worker and and some of the toughest parts of new jersey irvington east orange places like that and anytime i entered quote unquote the hood i of course i felt scared and i felt intimidated but i was never treated with you know with any act of violence you know what i mean like if anything mm-hmm. some of these people welcomed welcomed me into their homes and were very nice to me and and pleasant and and i view it as they're a victim of of circumstances that's put upon them this isn't how people want to live you know what i'm saying and they want to get out and they want to get out of this but they're stuck like they they can't get out of it and for me that's what boys in the hood depicted it was this this guy from the hood who's about to get out of it and something happens to to stop it from happening and it's like devastating to the entire community um But yeah, so John Singleton, that was, I mean, that was an awesome movie. Have you ever seen Higher Learning? I think I have, but I would have to like refresh my memory with all that stuff. Boys in the Hood is is the one movie that I stay watching when it's on. And yeah. there's always a time of the year where they keep showing it. I don't, it must, it must, it must be coming soon because I haven't seen Boys in the Hood on TV in, in a minute, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, with yeah, John, yeah, with John Singleton's passing. It looks like they're going to be playing some of his movies. I I saw it before on here we go. On TV they're playing Baby Boy tomorrow at 3:30 during the day who has time to watch that and Poetic Justice at 6:30. So it, lo- it looks like they're going to play some of his movies tomorrow. Poetic Justice is a really good movie. Baby Boy, I'm going to be honest, I never watched, but every every time somebody talks about Baby Boy, they only have good things to say. So I might I might have to tune in. Maybe I'll DVR it or something like that. Baby Boy, let me see. Is that, That's what oh, Tyrese. I never, 
I, I think I saw it, but I was too, I was also, so Boys in the Hood I've watched throughout my whole life, mm -hmm. and I've, I've learned to appreciate it as an adult. Baby Boy, I think I watched during that time, and I didn't know what the hell was going on, I think. So I was like 10 yeah. at the time. Yeah, I, don't know. I remember when, when Baby Boy came out, I think I was in high school, and I was already like a, a wannabe film snob or whatever, but if, clearly, I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. Um, because there was a lot of movies that came out in that time that I love that are trash, complete trash. Um, but baby boy, I never watched, but every time that movie gets brought up often and people only have good things to say about it. So, and I just never had a chance to watch it. So I'll yeah. give it a shot now, by the way, John Singleton discovered so many actors and actresses that are out there today. And then I'll stop talking about him. And we'll, we'll talk about some baseball. Cause I think we're like more than 30 minutes in and we haven't even touched baseball. <laughs> Um, he discovered Taraji P. Henson, who was she an empire? Yeah, she's an empire. She's an empire. Uh, Omar Epps. That's the first time I saw Omar Epps was in Higher Learning. Cuba Gooding Jr. is the first time I saw Cuba Gooding Jr. in a movie. Uh, Michael Rappaport in Higher Learning. A lot, he used a lot of rappers. Tupac was in his movies. That had to um, be Ice Cube's first movie too, though, right? I think Ice Cube, that was his first movie too, was Boys in the Hood, I believe. I'm not sure. He also had Busta Rhymes in uh in in Higher Learning, and that's the thing; these movies are really well made. Like, yeah. usually when you see like like people in the music industry in movies, they kind of suck. Like these movies are for me; they were good. I thought they were really good movies, and they were really well acted. And addressing the elephant in the room, there were dominantly black uh, characters, and yeah. you know, and they were amazing movies. Like, no offense to Tyler Perry, but. His movies kind of annoy the shit out of me. And it's not because it's all black characters. I just don't like the stories. I don't like the way it's filmed. Um, but John Singleton, John Singleton's movies are, to me, he's like the Scorsese of of, of the African-American, the black community. You know what I mean? Yeah. I no, said, I agree. I agree. I, I said Tyler Perry before. That's what, oh, Tyler me? Perry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever watched a Tyler Perry movie beginning to end, honestly. Yeah, like the Medea movies. I can't stand those fucking movies. Yeah, the I mean, Medea movies, I'm like, are we trying to do, like, make Nutty Professor or something? <laughs> like, respect respect to him. I don't want to trash him because, he, you know, he clearly, he's a I think he's a billionaire. So, he's, he's doing, doing something, something right. right. Let's discuss the New York Yankees. Um, so I, so th over the last week, as I'm watching this team play, I know, I, I fully realize that if the same squad that's on the field now is still the same squad that's playing in September, there's a good chance that we're not, we're probably not going to be going to the postseason. There's going to be at some point, Gio Urshela, Tachman, who's, who actually hasn't been that great. Um, Ford, uh, Tyro Estrada, these guys that were that were fielding on the on the on the field every day, um, that you know they're gonna eventually play to what they actually are, which is basically career mm -hmm. minor leaguers. But yeah. so far, you know they've won eight out of the last ten games, and it's the young kids that are carrying this team. It's not you know, it's not Brett Gardner. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah, yeah. Although Luke Voigt too, but Luke Voigt is another one. You know, they they picked this guy out of the St. Louis Cardinals farm system, and look at him. I think he's the real. Like I'm a, he's sold me. I think he's the real deal yeah. officially. He's player um, of the week. Yeah, he's just. They remind me of the 2017 team. That's what I'm getting at here. Is that is that that 2017 team was supposed to be a rebuild, 
and they, you know, they made it to Game 7 of the ALCS. I know that, you know, Aaron Judge broke out that year. But if you remember, in 2016, Judge was called up in September in the September call-ups. And he was yeah. complete trash. Do you remember that? I remember Judge homering on his first at-bat and then going back-to-back with Tyler Wade, I think, is what <laughs> I remember. But I don't remember anything of like, wow, look at this new, you know... Look at this guy he gets on base and he hits for power and all this stuff. I, I don't remember any of that talk when Judge first got called. No, up man. In twenty sixteen, it was like a disaster. If you it's, and if you go back on Baseball Reference or Fangraphs, it'll it'll you know solidify it. But yeah. he became the real deal. Gary, I remember Gary Gary Sanchez the year before broke out, so that was to be expected. The year before that, Greg Bird, but then he you know he's injured every year after that. But um, you know. That's what that's what this team is resem- is resembling me resembling they're resembling the 2017 team this current Yankee team, um, but by the like I said by the same token I I'm kind of not a believer I think it's just that these guys are all getting are hot at the same time and I think any group of players if they're hot at the same time they're gonna win games um, and to be yeah. fair they're in the West Coast they faced the St Louis the San Francisco Giants who did they face before that I can't remember. Before the Giants, they were facing the Angels. The Angels. So these aren't necessarily the best teams in baseball. Um, but, you, you know, you beat the Red Sox in those two games before yeah. you went to the West Coast. So Yeah, but a win is a win. And, and the Yankees are yeah. winning more games on the road than they are at home. And, and you know, we got to take is also, these wins. Yeah, the fact that they're winning these games on the roads is also, like, a crazy thing. Because usually they win most of their games at home, like yep. every other team does. But you know how that is. Uh you're right. I don't. I'm not buying into the Yankees with the same team that we're looking at now in September being anywhere near, you know, playoff contention. I'm, I agree with you there. I'm not sold yet, but crazier things have happened, I guess. Yeah. Um, a good thing is that your pitching is is doing good. You know, like it's mm-hmm. kind of like you haven't really missed a beat with with the with the offense and the pitching has been pitching great. Chad Green down to the um, to the minors. They're testing him out as an opener, I guess. So mm-hmm. you know, if he if he comes back, it's just gonna be. There, I I don't know what to think of this team. It doesn't remind me of 2017 because I noticed that the, this Yankees team they're bunting and stealing bases and being aggressive. Things that the Yankees don't do or mm-hmm. weren't doing in 2017, and probably I actually meant to ask you this: like, would the Yankees still be playing like this? If they did have a, a full healthy squad of Stanton yeah, and Judge, well, right, and that's kind of what I was getting at is is uh, is that yes, I think that the reason why they they're doing all these different things is because of the team that they're currently fielding. They don't have the big boppers in the lineup now. You know what I mean? The only power hitter in that lineup is Luke Voigt. I think that's it, and Gary Sanchez, who's who's on a tear, by the way. But um. You know, it's showing you. It it may hopefully it shows the Yankees that there are different ways to win games. You don't just have to hit the three run home run. Like yes, yeah. Go ahead from innings one through six, one through seven, or whatever. You want to aim for the three run home run. Go for it. But from that from that point on, you you try to score as many runs as you can, however you can. You know what I'm saying? Like if you need to drop a bunt and move a runner over, or you know try to hit, pull the ball to the other side of the field or whatever. You got to do what you got to do, and I think that that I think that having these guys and having DJ LeMahieu, by the way, was a huge addition because that's his that's his bread and butter is contact hitting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I like I love watching this team, but then at the same time, I say to myself, okay, like there's no fucking like there's no way that Gio Ursula is gonna hit like 
you know, 3.30 for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. And right now, I, I Luke Voigt is, like, the most annoying hitter to watch. He just, I don't know where he hits these home runs with. I mean, he has, the obviously, the strength. But Jesus Christ, man. Like, you would think this guy would be, like, a free agent, you know, uh, people would want this guy hitting free agency, yet he was in the minors, or mm-hmm. I don't even know how the Yankees got I don't even remember. That's how relevant it was the time the Yankees got him. And, yeah, I mean, I don't even expect Luke Voigt to be hitting like this throughout the whole year. Like, I just don't see it. But I don't know, man. He's carried this on. And they the, what, yes. what Brian Cashman said that he saw in Luke Voigt was the launch angle stuff. But even me, who's a big analytics guy, I'm not sold that that's all you need to do to be a good hitter in baseball. There's no way in hell. No. Um, it then, helps. Don't we see it? Don't we see it with Christian Yelich and JD? Their their mm-hmm. launch angles are actually lower. Yeah, Christian Yelich is a zero. I think maybe like a one degree launch angle. Damn. Um, something like that. But um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad that we have Luke Voigt on this team, and Greg Bird can't seem to stay on the field. He's hurt again this year. Um, but yeah, we'll hopefully these these guys start coming back. Miguel and Duhar is about to return sooner rather than later. It was originally thought that he was gonna miss the entire season. It looks like that's not going to happen. Um, Giancarlo Stanton's biceps is, are healed, but now he has a shoulder injury, so we don't know when he's going to come back. Um, Aaron Judge is out indefinitely. We don't know when he's going to come back. Um, Swift Severino, you know, who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? Like these guys are going to have to continue yeah. to play up to this potential until those, you know, the big guys come back. But we'll see what happens. It's just. It's just crazy what time does, because for me, Severino is just like an afterthought at this point. I'm not even expecting him to come back this season. Is that weird? Neither am I, because you don't hear you don't hear anything from him. And it's like the Yankees pitching can obviously use Severino. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Paxson's Paxson's he's been you beast, know man. has yeah he's been beast lately, and and uh, Tanaka is still Tanaka. You know, um, oh, and this dude, uh, Domingo Herman, like oh my god, yo, where the, I where traded the hell did him away come from. He's, I traded yeah. him away in fantasy <laughs> because he's Domingo Herman. He's not fucking, you know. He's in Duhar of last year. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yo, and, and the thing is that we were talking. I don't know if you remember that episode with Katie Sharp last year. We were talking about how he has the stuff. He just can't keep the ball in the ballpark. Well, this year he's keeping the ball in the ballpark. And he's not melting. As soon as he gets into a sign of trouble, he doesn't, like, fall apart on the on the mound. He's, like, he's keeping his composure He's using his pitches. He's striking out the entire fucking world, and I traded him away from Max Muncy like a goddamn idiot in fantasy baseball. What's wrong with me? I should have just how's, kept him. How's, how's Max Muncy doing? He hasn't been bad, but, you know, who the hell thought that Domingo Herman was going to sustain this type of pitching? You know, Domingo Herman for the season, 2.56 ERA, 0.85 whip. Manny. He's not Insane. this good. I'm sorry. How many strikeouts? Um... 32. Jesus. And how many innings? 31.2. Damn. <laughs> so he's striking out. So nine? Nine, yeah. Fuck. Caper nine is nine. Uh, man, whatever. I mean, what can I say, man? You, you, you're like the Marlins. All right, shut the fuck up. Uh, you, you make good, got good players, trade them away. <laughs> All right. But real uh, quick. Yeah. I needed to say something about, yeah, how Severino, I'm not even expecting him to come back this season. Lost my train of thought. I don't know what I was going to say about the Yankees before Domingo Herman came, came to uh, 
came judge? in my brain. Hmm. What are your thoughts on Judge? About- he is on your fantasy team. Yeah, can we get an can we get an update on Judge already? The Yankees are so I come on. I, like- I appreciate how the Yankees handled handle their injured players because very rarely do you have like a a, a player re injure himself? A player not named Greg Bird and Jacoby Ellsbury, by the way. Um, yeah, they take care of their players pretty good. Like if they give you a two week timetable, that player is going to be out for a good month, maybe even two. They're going to make sure that player is in good shape. But they do not tell you what the fuck is happening with their players. They do not keep you informed. Like I said, I don't know what's happening with Luis Severino. I see him on the bench sometimes, and I'm like, why is he on the bench? Shouldn't he be training somewhere? Like it's like a it's know, like man. a tease. Like you're like, oh fuck, he's coming back soon, and then you find out, oh yeah, Severino isn't even throwing off him. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like. I don't know, man, but with these new gambling laws that are about gambling being legal and shit, well, I think we have a right to know because I have a fantasy baseball team I have to run, and I need to know if Gar- if Aaron Judge is out for the season or if he's expected to come back at some point this month, next mm-hmm. month. I have a right to know. I wasted a second-round draft pick on him. Yep. He was the first pick in the second round, which means he was like a mo- almost my first pick as well. <laughs> All right. So no, I, need I, to no, know. I think you're right. And, and, and it's really annoying that if you're a fantasy, uh, if you play fantasy baseball and use ESPN, I don't know if it's the same thing with Yahoo or the other the other places. Sometimes you're not informed of a player being benched until like like 30 minutes before the game. And like by the time you check your app, you know, the game has started already and you can't switch out the players. That shit is really annoying, man. I need like a solid hour, two hours. I can't, you know, I can't be on my yeah. phone every five seconds making sure that my players are, are playing or not. You know what I mean? Up until up until this morning, I had Starling Marte. The last thing that they said about him, uh, April 27th, uh, the Pirates are hopeful that he'll be able to return soon. Um, you know, th- th- he they're going to see if he requires a minor league rehab stint. That was... Three days ago, April 27th. And I'm looking at him like, Jesus Christ, you were on the 10-day DL. This, it's been 10 days already, and he's starting today. So I'm just looking at the app like, really? Like, he's starting out of nowhere? He didn't need the rehab, the, the, the minor league rehab stint? But what I wanted to say, that was random. Sorry for the rant. What I wanted to say about the Yankees is the Clint Frazier injury. Mm. When when he got injured, he said he's not going to the DL, that he, that he feels fine and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then they got him an MRI, and they noticed that there was a tear in his ankle or something, in his ligament. I don't know what it was, but there was, like, a little slight tear. And I'm wondering, like, I think those are the injuries that we always talk about between, you know, players today versus players back in the day when Mickey Mantle played, that those are the injuries that they would have played through. And I think they can play through them. Obviously, you always want to be cautious. I, I get it. But the fact that he said that he was he wasn't going on the IL and then he ends up on the IL because they noticed the tear just goes to show that I think he would have it probably isn't even the biggest deal yeah. and he he was he was willing to play through it mm-hmm. yet they're gonna you know be precau- you know they're gonna take all precautions and keep him off the field but still it's like I think this is we're we're babying these guys a little bit too much now mm, like I he agree. was willing to he was kind of willing to pay, play through it I and agree. I think that means something I don't know. I agree. There was some, there was another there was another thing to that point. Um, I saw a couple of players this weekend get plunked and get removed from the game, but the there was one instance I can't remember I can't remember who the player was, but he got plunked. He walked over to first and he he was like pretending like he wasn't feeling any pain. You know what I mean? Like you could tell that he was in pain. But he, yeah. he, you could tell that in his mind, he was thinking, if I show that I have pain here, they're going to call the medics and or whatever, the team doctors, 
and they're going to take me out of this game and I don't want to get out of this game. I think if you leave it up to the players, they'll play through it. I think it's the organizations viewing these players as an investment, um, but it's almost too much. You know what I mean? Like, I, I almost wish we could know, wh- like, where the line is. Like, if a player feels a slight, you know, pull on his hamstring, he could possibly run on it. You know, is that is that the line where you let him go for it or whatever? Or, you know, like Jeter used to get hurt. Jeter used to play hurt all the time. Why wasn't he pulled out of games? You know what I mean? Like hamstrings to me are like a little bit serious because if you pull your hand, if you strain your hamstring, it can be anywhere from a month to two months, let's say. Right. So hamstrings that take pretty and and the only thing you need to fix that if it's like you feel something is you just got to not do anything. Just lay off of it. Don't do anything. And, And the thing about baseball, people say that it's one of those sports that you don't really do any you know, crazy movements, but when the ball's coming at you, and and I know I've never played anywhere near the pro level, right? But when I pulled my hamstring, I I was told to wait about two weeks before I started playing, at least. I waited a week. I felt kind of okay. I was like, I'm just not going to force it. Like, I'm just not going to do anything crazy. But when, and I played first, and when one of my, one of our teammates threw the ball a little bit awkwardly, I didn't even think my first instinct was to just reach out and get it. And mm-hmm. I ended up pulling it again. So, you know, that's why I think hamstrings are a little bit more serious. But the ankle thing, I feel like if he has a little bit of a brace in to kind of support him, he would have been okay. And well, I don't know about, how serious Just think about was, football but, players. You know what I mean? Yeah, You, you have exactly. football players playing while I'm like broken ankles. You know, <laughs> they just tape and, their shit up. And I understand you look at these guys as investments, but the investment is so they could be on the field and help you win. I'm pretty exactly. sure. Exactly. Uh, a Clint Frazier with a minor ankle sprain is can help the a Yankees team that has 14, 15 players on the DL right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I know what you mean, though. I agree. Yeah, the hamstring was a bad example. Maybe, like, I don't know. Here's here's an exaggeration. It seems like in baseball, they, they pull players out if they feel like their pinky fucking itches or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there's yeah. any little ailment in these players... They're pulling them out. And I think that's why people get frustrated with players like like Jacoby Ellsbury and even Greg Bird for that matter. Even though Greg Bird's latest injury, you know, it's a it's a foot issue. I understand like he can't play through that. But it, it sometimes it feels like some players, if they feel something odd, they're pulling themselves out of games. Um, but I don't think that's most players. That, that's talking about Jacoby Ellsbury. I think most players want to play through injury. Even Aaron Judge, when he pulled his, his uh, what the fuck Abin. was it? His what? Something in his, something in his abdom, abdomen. You you could tell he felt it in the moment, and he like jotted to first, kind of like, oh fuck, man! Like they're gonna pull me out of this yeah. game now. Um, but you know who I always think of, yeah. I always think of uh, Aaron Sanchez from the Blue Jays. He's with the, always oh, with the splinters. He's always missing time because of something, a blister on his finger, no blisters, something, yeah. and yeah, and blisters, and splinters, whatever, whatever it is, it's something with his finger, hangnail that's on the way or something. And I'm now I'm thinking it's him. For him, I kind of think guys like him and Jacoby Ellsbury are off the field because they don't want to play through it type mm-hmm. of shit. Because if I was Jacoby Ellsbury at this point, I would lie on every test to get on the field because there's nothing like I need to redeem myself for I'm robbing the Yankees blind all these years already. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. So I don't know. I I honestly like with Jacoby Ellsbury. The longer he stays on the DL, the the more benefits the Yankees. Because as long as he doesn't step on the field, 75% of his salary gets paid by insurance. But for his own sake, like, how does a player like that show his face again? You know what I mean? Like, I'd be ashamed. Yeah, like, what? 
what reaction would he get if he stepped up to the plate? Oh my god, I don't even know at this point. The last time I saw him, I think was in 2017 in the post, not even the postseason. It was like one of the last series. But was he, you was he even, in the postseason roster? Yeah, he was. The year that you guys went, 2017, I think he was. They were, he was splitting time with. Uh, I think he even stole home in one yeah. game during last season. But uh, he, I don't know, man. That's a that's a tough one. I I haven't even seen Jacoby Ellsbury like anywhere near the dugout. <laughs> no, man. I for like a year. <laughs> I wish I wish a player would would be honest with what they felt about Ellsbury because I'm pretty sure they have to talk shit about that guy in the dugout. Yeah. Tonight, CeCe Zabathia notched his 300th, uh, 3,000th strikeout against the Arizona Diamondbacks. He becomes only the 17th pitcher ever to do it, CT. Um, <laughs> among those pitchers are Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens. These are guys that we know and saw. Pedro Martinez, Kurt Schilling, John Smoltz, uh, Greg Maddox, um, among other greats. And then, so I was doing something on this earlier today because I wanted to write something for Call to the Pen tomorrow. And of those 17, now that now that CC Zabathia is a part of the list, Kurt Schilling isn't on the Hall of Fame. Uh, Burt Blylevin isn't in the Hall of Fame. And Roger Clemens isn't in the Hall of Fame. With Roger Clemens, I understand the whole PED thing. If it wasn't for that, he'd be in 100%. With Kurt Schilling, I've always said that I don't think he should be a Hall of Famer. Um, but after looking at CC's numbers and comparing them to Kurt Schilling, I've kind of changed my tune on that because I feel like CC is Hall of Fame worthy. There's a difference between them two, though. I'm getting really dorky on here with you, CT. Um, but the one that <laughs> baffles me is Burt Blylevin. Bly now, I never watched this guy play. I could barely say his name. But listen to this shit, and he's not a Hall of Famer. He has uh, 3,701 strikeouts. This is getting really dorky. That ranks one, two, three, four, fifth all time. He has two hundred and eighty-seven wins. If you're if you're a person that counts wins, and a three thirty-one I do. I do. lifetime. Yeah, I know you do. Lifetime ERA. How is he not in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Maybe maybe he was never the best pitcher in his time. You know, I, I gotta. I would have to look at who else was around that time. Um, I always thought so he has, was a hall. He has the second worst win loss percentage in that list. Nolan Ryan has the worst um, win loss percentage. Yeah, but he hey, doesn't have I the worst. E- he doesn't have the worst ERA. He has more wins than yeah, but three thousand, three thousand and seven hundred strikeouts. That's like that should be automatic Hall of Fame. How is this guy not a Hall of Famer? That's I don't know. It's that's a weird. I would have to look at his career and see what was going on, but. If he's not in the Hall of Fame, that's kind of dumb. He's fifth on the list. Yeah, he's gonna be there for he's gonna be there for a while too. I mean, and and if you again, if you count wins in in that list, this is an all time. I'm not gonna look at the wins list because fucking Cy Young has like 500 and something wins. It's a joke. Um, he has more wins than than the following Hall of Famers. He has more wins than Fergie Jenkins, Bob Gibson, Pedro Martinez, and John Smoltz. So like, yeah. how if at those a time where wins were bigger. And he has more strikeouts than those guys. So I don't really understand. I mean, he has a lot of losses. But like I said, uh, what's this guy's name? Nolan Ryan 
um, has a worse win loss percentage. So yeah, when I was doing this research, I was like, I was very confused, and um, I wanted to throw that out there. But anyway, this is about CC Sabathia, guys. So here's why I think CC is a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Famer because I'm gonna, I'm totally gonna go against what I believe in here, but in looking at his stats, none of his stats stand out. Uh, among the rest of these guys like he does have the worst era out of all of them um he does have the worst fip out of all of them and he's going to be at the bottom of the list in in uh in strikeouts by the end of the season he could pass kurt schilling and john smoltz so he might end up being ahead of them in strikeouts um but the difference between uh cc zabathia and and most of the other pitchers believe it or not ct is his win-loss percentage he has uh 617 win-loss percentage and that ranks fourth among all of these pitchers mm-hmm. um and i think that you know as much as i kill I'm, I'm the kill the win guy and all that stuff i think it counts for something and i think that over the last couple of years i know you're gonna kill me for this i, I warned you in the beginning of the episode I'm, in the beginning of the you, <laughs> for the last couple of years cc sabathia has owned a reputation for being a stopper like if you look at his stats after a loss He's automatic. I think he's undefeated. Maybe he's lost one game in like three years or something like that. Um, and he has like a stellar ERA, stellar FIP, a great strikeout ratio, all that stuff. And I think that's that to me, that's the ultimate argument against my kill the win uh, uh, argument is that, I, it, you know, in this sample size, in, in a five in a 400 game sample size, it seems like CeCe Zabathia is the type of pitcher that can will his team to a win, despite not having the greatest stats, um, just being the type of pitcher that he is. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I've always put – I've always – I don't mind the win stat, and I don't mind that pitchers get a win or loss tacked onto their starting pitching. I've always said relief pitching is stupid to even counter at this point, but starting pitching to me is like – they 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 move the game. They throw the ball. The ball the game doesn't move forward without the pitcher, and they have a bigger role on the field than anybody else. You right. know, and if you're a pitcher like CC Sabathia that's shutting out the other lineup, then I feel like your impact to the game is bigger than anyone mm-hmm. at that point. Unless your entire team goes, you know, up and just hits a home run every at bat, which doesn't even really happen ever. It never yeah. happens. Um, so that's why I always thought the win and loss thing kind of makes it makes sense to me it's not a perfect stat makes sense to me just think the pitchers hold a bigger weight than any other player in a, on a baseball team so you're not gonna kill me thank god no nah. you sure i kind of feel it. like i deserve to get killed you found your way back well no i'm not i'm not sold i'm just saying <laughs> i know i know <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah let's not go there please um, uh, but, but yeah, and that's the, for me, that's the difference between Kurt Schilling and, and CC Zabathia is that you can, you can think of games where CC Zabathia, um, almost single-handedly carried his team. Like you think about that Milwaukee Brewer team in 2008. Do you remember that by any chance? Yeah. He was traded, uh, by the Cleveland Indians to the Milwaukee Brewers at the trade deadline. He made like 17 starts for the Brewers. And I think he completed like 10 of those games. His ERA was like 1.2 something. His whip was like sub one. He was hitting home runs. He was like single-handedly. He single-handedly carried that team into the postseason. And yeah. you you kind of look at look back at his career as a Yankee. And you kind of, in my mind, I'm trying to think of what was the most disappointing moment 
for CeCe, for me, in terms of CeCe Sabathia. And I think it was that time where he ducked out on the team to go to rehab. And even that, that was him taking care of himself. You know what I mean? Like, I can't yeah, kill yeah, him Yeah, I that. remember. Yeah, I um, that. You know, like, he's never killed the team, if you think about it. Like, he's been bad at times. But that's what I'm saying. About, that's what I'm saying about the Hall of Fame. Like, yeah, CC, nothing jumps out of you. But isn't that the type of player that you want on a team, a pitcher like that? I love that CC, man. I love him. To that death. was a presence in presence in the clubhouse. Always took care of like yo know, the, the younger players to the veteran players. Like he was, he, I don't think he was ever too big to, no. you know, stick up for. I remember last year he pegged uh, that one guy. Yeah, that was what great. game was that? Where he where he all he needed to do was. He needed to complete that inning to get that five hundred thousand. He had one. Bonus. Out, he had one out left, and he decided yeah, he, to plunk the guy. Yeah. I so mean, you know, that's what I mean about the Hall of Fame. Like he's played for this long, he has some. Uh, he has a good amount of milestone uh, records in in his in his career. He's won a championship and everything. Um, so yeah, like that's to me that's the definition of Hall of Fame: longevity. And what what type of player was he in? CC mm-hmm. was that type of player. So if he doesn't get in, I'd be kind of shocked if he doesn't get in. Yeah. And he's ninety eight strikeouts. Well, no, he he got his three thousand. So he'll he'll be under ninety five. I can't do my math right now because technically it hasn't happened yet. We're pretending like it did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but entering tonight's game, he was ninety eight away from John Smoltz and. 130 away from Kurt Schilling. So if he stays healthy, it's possible that he could. Oh, and he's. And he. And wait, I can't do my math. 131 away from Bob Gibson. So he could be, you know, what's that? What would that be? Like 11th all time in strikeouts. So, I mean, that's yep. that's that's impressive, man. But this Burt Blylevin he- thing, we're going to have to do an episode on Burt, Burt Blylevin. Yeah, like X Files episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I think he's only the third lefty too, right? Wow. So that alone kind of third lefty to get three thousand. So yeah. that alone, um, you know, that's that just goes to show. I yeah, mean, man. The history of baseball, more than one hundred fifty years. And this is his last season, man. So what a way to to bow out. I hope that he. I hope that he passes. At least Smoltz and just gets like a notch ahead of, of one of these guys. Yeah, I don't know. Another more. another argument to get into the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it deserves yeah. it. You know what? And I think I, I'll retract. I know. Kurt Schilling's politics and shit annoy, the, annoy me to death. And he can't keep his mouth shut. And some of the stuff he posts on social media are like indefensible or disgusting. And he killed. And most importantly, he killed my team in postseason play. Beat the Yankees in the World Series in 2001. Was a part of the 04. Was he a part of the 04 team? Yeah, he was, right? Yeah. Yeah, the bloody sock. Damn it. Um, but yeah, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, too. This is a long-ass episode. Let's finish it off with this. We got to give your team some love real quick. Uh, okay. Or not some love. We need to study. Your, I want to do a quick, a quick case study on the Boston Red Sox. Okay. So... <laughs> So Hit currently me, they're what they're eleven. Don't hold and, back. They're, they're eleven and seventeen, right, or something like that. The Red Sox are currently they will be thirteen and seventeen if they win this game, which okay. they're winning right now. Okay, five great. nothing to Oakland, sixth Ooh, inning. Rick Porcello, nice. nice on the mound. Ooh, Oakland is Oakland is. Struggling. We're back. We're back. Anyway, so entering today, I I collected some stats and I I wanted to do a quick comparison. So 
it's clear that last year what what pulled pulled, pulled you guys into the postseason and won you guys a World Series was your offense. You guys ranked one in just about everything. You ranked first in batting average, on base percentage, slugging percentage, WOBA. Not home runs. Not home runs. Uh, I think in runs scored, you ranked. Runs scored, we were first, yeah, by like a good margin, I think. Yeah. Um, and you were third in in, in weighted runs created plus. Uh, and then this year, you're 20th or, you know, you're ranking 20th or less or more, I mean, like 20th or higher. By higher, I mean like like you're not doing good. Um, that's confusing. Mm-hmm. In all of those categories, <laughs> except for on base percentage, so you're not scoring, you're not creating runs, you're not scoring enough runs. It's not just the pitching, guys. Um, then you look at the pitching, and it's even worse. Um, your ERA last season was three seven five. Your ERA this season is five fourteen. Your FIP was three eighty two last year. It's four sixty three this year. Your whip was one two five last year, which is where you want to be. That's perfect. Your whip is one four three this year. The strikeouts have been good. You're striking out more batters than you were last year. Um, your K per nine is nine seven six this year. It was nine point six one last year. This is so. This is I think for me this is where your killer is. Is your walks? You're walking one more batter per nine than you were last year. That's one more base runner per game. Um, one more opportunity for the opposition to 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 score runs against you guys. You you rank twenty third in walks per nine with 4.01. Last year, you were 3.16. So the whole team is in disarray right now. Like, I know that yeah. we exaggerate sometimes and we live in the in the generation of the greatest of all time and all this shit. We talk about greatest of all time. Like, like it's fucking, you know, and not, you know, like, like we're talking about Cheerios or whatever the fuck. I don't even, I don't know what the expression is. But is this like the worst stretch you've seen from this team in, in, I would say like two decades. I mean, I can't remember the last uh, time the Red Sox were this bad. 2012, I think, was a season we were horrible. It was that season where we kind of we were in first place going into September, and I think from like August to the end of September, we we did so bad that we actually missed the playoffs. Mm. So that might be the worst stretch that uh, that I'm thinking of. But I know the next season we came back and won it. Yeah, 2012 oh, we finished 69 and 93. Wow. Finished fifth, yeah. last place. And then you have you have this year. you have a guy like Chris Sale who was atrocious to start the year, but over his last two starts, the one against the Yankees, his velocity was back, and then his most recent start, I can't remember who it was against. Was it Toronto or Chris Sale? Yeah, might have been Tampa Bay. Yeah, it was or Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. He only allowed two runs in seven innings. It seems like Chris Sale has found his his groove, but his confidence, man. I've never I've never seen this guy be so negative. Like he's saying that he yeah. sucks. He you know he's never pitched like this. He stinks. Like he's just like you know with like what's going on here. And I'm not trying to troll, but last year Cora was was praised as some sort of you know genius manager. Um, he is. But this year it seems like his team is just like. Just like I mean, falling apart. I think it's it's still only April. Today's the last, second to last day of April or last day of April, whatever. It's still early in the season. I still think the Red Sox team is going to bounce back. Mm-hmm. And don't ever disrespect Cora again, man. Because well, I'm not a, trying to. He dis- is a ge- I know. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm Jesus kidding. Christ! Real quick, I don't know what year it was that the Red Sox were in first place. And going into the last week of August, we 
not only didn't we not make the playoffs, but we didn't even like win the wild card, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that had to be 2000. I feel like it was 2012, but our record that year was horrible. So we would have never even been in playoff contention. Um, but I remember the Rays came, snuck themselves in. I think it might have been the Orioles. I don't know. Was it 08 then? 08? Isn't that, Maybe. The, isn't that when, the, when the Rays went to the World Series? Yes. Or not. I believe so. Or not. Don't remember. But yeah, that might have been the worst stretch. And yeah, 2012 was a bad year as mm. well. But we won it the next year. So Okay. Okay. Turn it around. Um, and it, you know, the, the, what concerns me about the Boston Red Sox, and by concern, I mean what gets me excited because it, it means that they might continue to lose games, is that their weakest part of the team, their supposed weakest part of the team, has been one of their strengths so far. So, like, when all these guys... And by the way, Xander Bogarts is a fucking, like, I wish he hadn't signed that extension so that we could just yeah, let... Yeah, he's, he's, he's starting to heat up. Yeah, man, he's good. Um, and so is Mookie, too, by the way. Um, yeah. It is, is when the when the, the rest of the team starts, and David Price has been good, too. I'm sorry, I, keep, I have, like, ADD just today. Keep going, keep going, man. <laughs> Please. Um, God, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, when all these guys start clicking... What like what's gonna happen when the bullpen starts falling apart? What what what's gonna happen when Brazier starts playing like like Brazier's supposed to play? You know what I'm saying? I think we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. For now, uh, the way that we're playing this game right now, Rick Porcello is shutting the Oakland A's down. Mm-hmm. We have five runs in six innings. I think I that, think we're gonna start turning it around. That should be enough to win. Yeah, yeah, that should be enough to win. If we start losing games like this. Then yeah, it's it's over. Even if it's I don't care what time of the year it is. If we start losing games five, winning five nothing in the sixth inning, if we can't close this game out, then we're not we don't belong anywhere near the playoffs. Uh, quick side note: Mookie Betts fewest games needed to reach five hundred runs scored. Wow. Active players He's number incredible. one Albert Pool number one Albert Pool six hundred twenty nine games. Number two Mookie Betts six hundred and seventy four, and third is Mike Trout six hundred ninety. Mm. He beat wow. Mike Trout on one thing. Yes. Sc- scoring runs. He also he also got the MVP last year, which he beat Mike Trout in. Truth. Um which, by the way, if Trout had been healthy the whole year, he might, you know. We don't know that for a fact. <laughs> back back to you. Okay. Um, all right. Last thing on the Red Sox, and then we did not talk about the rest of Major League Baseball. And we're not going to. And if you don't like it, tough shit. Um Maybe maybe we can give like a quick shout out to the players that are killing it right now. All right. At the end. Okay. All okay. Right. Uh, Dustin Pedroia, man, do you think it's time for for Pedroia to hang it up and just call it a day, man? I mean, yeah, sadly I do. He looks slow. He looks old. I mean, I don't want the Red Sox to cut him. Yeah, but don't play him. <laughs> so here's here's one thing, and again, fans, I'm a Yankees fan. Full disclosure. So this is gonna sound like a a Yankees fan bashing uh a, a, a you know a Red Sox hero. But, like, Dustin Pedroia is the kind of player that every team wants. And it's not because he's naturally talented. I don't think he's the best player. Like, when you look no. at him playing stuff, you're just like, like, how does he do it? He, it doesn't look nice. You know, like, with, Robin, with Robinson Cano, things look easy. You know, he's easily the best player on, on many teams in Major League Baseball. With Mike Trout, clearly the best player in baseball. With Mookie Betts, clearly the best player in in 
in the Boston Red Sox and probably, you know, Mike Trout's B or whatever you want to call it. With Dustin yeah. Pedroia, you could tell that this is all just really hard work and, and passion. You know what I'm saying? And I'm yep. not trying to say that as a slight to Dustin Pedroia. He reminds me a lot of, of Derek Jeter, except that I think Derek Jeter, even Jeter had a little bit more talent than, than Dustin Pedroia does. But this guy yeah. just has nonstop heart, man. Like, And it, it sucks to see that this is how his career is going to end. But I, I kind of hope that he just decides that enough is enough because what he's putting out on the field is just, you know, you don't want to remember him that way. Nah, yeah, and it, it's not even like the David Wright thing. You know how David Wright tried to keep coming back from injury and just couldn't do it? Yeah. Even David Wright was a monster at one point for the mm-hmm. Mets. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Like, Dustin Pajoy is the kind of guy that you always want on your team, and he's – it looked like he doesn't – it looked like he couldn't have been anything else besides a Boston Red Sox uh, – Boston Red Sox yeah. player. I agree. Perfect for that. Perfect for that organization. And I would, you know, it sucks. That, that's just the way it is. Not every not every hero in baseball or in any sport that you watch is gonna have the you know, the happy ending that you that you always see, like like the Peyton Manning ending and all that stuff. Yeah, right. But it you know, that's just the way it is. But I'm obviously grateful for having him to begin with, so need a box of tissues man nah i didn't cry at all when i watch (laughs) stuff you know i never really cry (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) so i uh i actually wrote something on call to the pen acknowledging who i thought were the best players of week four and there were some surprising players on there so first of all christian yelich had a big drop off last year and he got i mean last week and he also, he also got hurt. He has a back issue. I'm not sure if he's back on the field or not. CT, not. do you have any word on that? Christian Yelich is not on the field today, no. Not on the field today. So he remains experiencing back issues. That's not good. Um, but some guys that stood out were Eduardo Escobar, and not just because not just he's on my team now. I picked him up on Fantasy last week, even though it didn't matter because I lost again. Um, but he's raking this past week. Um, who else was a big standout? Yeah, it, Eduardo Escobar. I drafted him and I held on to him, but his power was not there. He wasn't even getting hits. I mm-hmm. drop him and now he's producing. So yeah, could pick up Manny. Thank you. Um, thank you I'm for dropping him. I am mad at you, Cody Bellinger. My team can... would my team would have been pretty good right now if I never dropped him though. Damn oh it. my god, yeah. He gave me like a solid. He gave me like two straight days of like fifteen points or something like that, which was much needed. Um, what else? Uh, Albert Bellinger. Pujols. Albert, yeah, Cody Bellinger has been raking still. He's still hitting over four hundred. He's still hitting homers. Um, if he hits a home run tonight, he's gonna he's gonna be the player with the most home runs before May first. He's at fourteen right now. Um, I think he's I think he's already the player with thirty five RBIs, RBIs. Like the fastest or something yeah. something about the RBIs. He's out of he's out of this world right now. Albert Pujols. Last week we talked about how he passed Babe Ruth. Well, this week he passed Barry Bonds and Lou Gehrig, so he's I think third all time on the RBI list. He has Crazy. Alex. He can pass Alex Rodriguez. He might pass him this year. How many RBIs does yeah. he have? He could pass him this year. Arod has twenty eighty six, and then the only person left is Hank Aaron. I don't know if that's going to happen. He needs three hundred to tie Hank Aaron. He does have two more years after this, so it could happen. But I don't know, man. Fat Albert's getting 
He's getting old. Yeah. Yeah. Be, it would be amazing to see somebody. When was the last time we saw somebody break like an all-time record? An all-time record. Let me think about this. Is it Barry an Bonds? All-time record. I mean, A Rod has the all-time record of Grand Slams. That's not as exciting. Does that count? I mean, you're right. It's not. But when you look at, I think Gary Sanchez hit his first Grand Slam the other day. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I don't uh, but you're right. That's you're right. That's not as exciting. Let me think. <laughs> you know what was the last time when? Uh, Randy Johnson became third or second, and then Roger Clemens, or Roger Clemens became second, and then Randy Johnson passed him, or vice versa, mm. in strikeouts. I don't know if you remember that. I do not remember that, but you know what I'm going to do right now, CT, is I'm going to sort the spreadsheet, because I am a dork, and I'm going to tell you that Randy Johnson is second all time. So it was Randy Johnson passing Roger Clemens. Yeah. It should have been, been Roger Clemens, and then shortly after, I think, randy johnson mm. uh passed him but besides that wow has there really never been an all-time record in our lifetime i think barry bonds has to be the last one when he passed yeah the, you're right uh, hank Aaron. oh yeah yeah, duh. yeah wow i i can't so think single, of one single season single season him and before that mark mcguire i mean ichiro passed pete rose but that's counting uh the uh, japan stats well ichiro also in his rookie year, got the single season hits record. Yeah, too. yeah, but that's, that's a single a season one, record. Man. I mean, I think that's a good one. That's that's a that's a really good one to to see. But an all time, this is like all yeah, encompassing. Yeah. He could he could possibly do it in his last year. That would be awesome to see. I think. Yeah, that would. Maybe that's what the Angels signed him for. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Uh, let me They're see. Gonna roll him out there in a wheelchair at that by the end. <laughs> He'll be sixty four by that point. Uh. <laughs> I make myself laugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who else is raking? We should make this a segment. Who's raking? Nice. This is like Mike Francesa when there's when there's silence. Eric Sogard, man, he was a beast last week. You don't even know who the yeah. fuck I'm talking about, right? That's he's he's on the he's on the Blue Jays. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he just came out of nowhere, man. I don't know. Averaging five points last I checked, he was averaging five points in fantasy and only owned by like two percent of the league. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. He was, so last week he was raking. He's gonna come back to earth though. These balls yeah, are yeah. definitely juiced. Um, yeah. The ball, balls are juiced. I don't care. Oh, was, shout out to Vlad Junior. Yeah. Vlad. Wow. How wow. did we not talk about Vlad Junior? Because like the weekend all the way. By the way, I lo- I hope Vlad Junior turns out to be. And I said this in a voice note in our in our chat. And I hope Vlad Junior turns out to be everything that he's supposed to be. I love seeing Vladimir Guerrero on TV again because. He was like my second favorite player behind A Rod. Actually, mm-hmm. I would say third behind A Rod, Pedro, then Vlad. He's up there, by the way, for <laughs> players that I, you know, looked up to. Um, so I love all that. But they gave the drive in in Vlad's first game. They gave the drive of the game to his batting practice home run. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, that's absurd. Yeah, like I hate. I I don't know. I don't like. I don't like to be. I don't like things to be shoved down my throat. Right. Like, let me yeah. let me appreciate Vlad. I already know he's he's this highly touted prospect, but you guys had to give him the drive of the game, and it didn't even happen in the game. I've never seen that before. <laughs> when they hype a player up, they they don't know when to stop. The Vlad the Vlad Guerrero Jr. hype last week was out of control, man. Like, and and yeah. you, you know what? I I don't I don't like that our culture builds people up to to bring to you know to shoot them right down. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But it was like overkill, man. Like they were they were making Seriously. it out to be like 
Babe Ruth resurrected from the dead and was coming up to bat. Like, it was insane. It was, you know? And I'm not going to lie. I watched it. I watched every one of his at-bats in the first game. Um, I, I watched you know, the whole game. I fed into the hype. I kept switching back and forth. Um, but it was a little too... It was way too much, man. Like... No, Way and do you know what's you know what's random as well too? And I know it's the playoffs and stuff, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has never been to a Toronto Raptors game up until that day, until the day <laughs> after he he debuted, he had his debut. Well, like, where, where do the did MLB where does did this, MLB restrict him? Where does Toronto's minor league team play? That's I don't know where why. they play. I, yeah, but I, I don't know where they play. But he's been he's been in that organization for since he was 16 yeah. he hasn't never been to like in the last two years he's never been to a raptors game or something does that am i making sense i feel like the date he had his debut and then the next day he's in toronto and now he's taking pictures with drake it's like did mlb restrict him from making an appearance anywhere in the public until he made his debut it might be that the hype was so big that the, that the toronto raptors are like you know come out to the game so we could get the fans to tune in yeah, or right. whatever so maybe it was something like that that makes way more sense than what I'm <laughs> getting at. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. But anyways, I love the I, I love the Vlad hype because it's it's big for DR. It's big yep. for a player that I, I grew up, you know, watching a lot. And I love it. And it's a new wave of talent, especially for the Dominicans, you know, Fernando Tatis and mm-hmm. Vlad Guerrero, Eloy Jimenez. It's just a new wave of talent. That I hope they turn out to be everything. Me too, man. And I think they are going to turn out to be pretty great because it, in in sports it always happens like in bunches, right? Like uh, Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto get called up in the same year and they just take over the league as yeah. rookies, type of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love it. But he, even another example, the next day, and I think this got turned into an error at the end of the at the end of the game. But he he got a ball up the middle. It was clear an error, and they gave him a hit. Mm. Stuff like that is like what I'm saying. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, it's too much. And not only that, but they every time he gets on base, they just take him. They they don't let him run. Have you noticed that? Uh, no, I have not noticed that. I only watched that first game. Yeah, he's and been then the highlights he, of the second game. He's been pinch pinch run for a couple times. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you really have the analytics on that? Like, come on, just let him run the bases. Anyway, um, the other person I wanted to give some love to was Jose Abreu. Broke out of his his slump last week. And he had his 150th home run of his career. So that was a good one. And I think I named it was Eduardo Escobar was the player of the week for me in Call to the Pen. Um I'll, I'll tell he, you who's not the I'll tell you who's not the player of the week. Who? Chris Davis with the K. Oh going man. through a gigantic slump right now. He's become the new Joey Gallo. He, except uh, that he except that he hasn't hit a home run since like April 13. Hasn't he always been kind of like Joey Gallo though? I I had him in my fantasy nah, team a couple years ago, and he was he was like he was either hit or miss. Nah, I mean Chris Davis was consistent with home runs and RBIs. You know, I feel like Joey Gallo literally was. He has more. He had more home runs than hits mm-hmm. last year, more home runs than singles. Whatever whatever the stat was, yeah, I don't yeah. think Chris Davis was that type of hitter. He, he is that. He is in the Joey Gallo. You know. Uh, no, I mean, category. nobody's in, yeah, I know what you mean, but nobody's in Joey yeah. Gallo's category. That guy's, you know. And if you've seen Joey Gallo lately, he's he is hitting for contact more now. He's not just yeah. hitting home runs anymore. Yeah, so. yeah. And speaking of Chris Davis, this one with a C, since that since breaking out of that slump, he's he's been raking. He doesn't play every time every day anymore. I think they platoon him or whatever. But when he's on the field, it seems like now he's, he has luck on in his side. I don't know if you saw, I think it was yesterday. He hit this like shallow pop fly to left, 
and it was an automatic out, and the fielder just completely overplayed it, and he got the hit for it. <laughs> like now he's just finding hits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. like it's That's that kind of man. it's that kind of year. I'm kind of, I'm happy to see it, but I ha- do have a theory about Chris Davis. You want to hear my theory real quick? Sure. Do you remember? And then we're gonna end it because this is a long ass episode. Um, do you remember a few years ago he was busted for Adderall? Oh yeah. So he no, was no methamphetamines, wasn't it? Methamphetamines. I think it was Adderall. Greenies. I'm pretty sure it was Adderall. Yeah, it was Adderall. It was Adderalls, and at one point the amphetamines, the greenies. Yeah, you yeah, you might be right. I'm not. I don't remember. It was it was one of those uppers, and. Prior to getting popped, he was he was okay. He was striking out a lot, but he was hitting home runs and stuff. After he got popped, he completely sucked. Here's my theory, CT. I wish we had that Welcome to the Show conspiracy theory song. We do somewhere. I'm not going to look for it. But <laughs> is he back on Adderall? <laughs> probably. He probably never got off it, man. I don't. I think Who maybe knows? he did get off it because he got suspended and shit. And maybe he's just like, you know what? Oh, yeah, Fuck yeah, this. Yeah. I'm 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 taking Adderall. Like, what do I have to yeah, lose? Yeah, can't get. Yeah, it can't get any worse. People already hate me. Like I suck. Exactly. Yeah, I, that's my thing. I would, I would like if I'm an MLB. Okay, if I'm one of those MLB players, like uh, what's this guy the Yankees called up? He was like 11 years in the minors. Ford. Yeah, Mike Ford. Yeah. Yeah, if I was him, I'd take something. Hell at this yeah. point. Just get I'm me like, up let there. Me, let, yeah, get me up there. Let me take something. Let me see if I can sign a quick two-year deal, ten million dollars. Let me, let me set myself up for the next couple of years. Yeah, man. I would do it. I if that's the way my career turned out. <laughs> I mean, look at Melky Cabrera for Christ, for Christ's sake. Yeah, his career He's is still built relevant. on. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that may, if he didn't take PEDs, maybe potentially he still would have been a decent player. But clearly, yeah. he he took off in that season with the San Francisco Giants. He was in like 400. I think it was like at the All Star break. He was close to 400. That's yeah. the season he got popped for steroids. Maybe it was the biogenesis year too. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was. And he ended up getting a monster contract, and he gets signed every single year to a decent, you know, multi-million dollar contract. And and you know, his career is basically based off of steroids. And by the way, he has he has probably the most ridiculous trying to lie about using steroids story, even even worse than Ryan Bronze. I think uh, I think that one was so dumb. I forgot what it was. What was it again? He made up I'm, I'm a fake product out. in a fake website. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he said that he bought it from this website, and or whatever, and it was just he got caught. Like they, it was clear that he had set up the whole thing. It was just like that's tip. That's tip. Like I could see a Dominican dude do that. As a Dominican, I could see a Dominican yeah. dude say, "But pero espérate, un truquito aquí. All you have to do is you know, yeah, put up a website. We'll say that we bought it from that. My doctor told me to buy it from this website, and you could definitely find a doctor in DR that's gonna you know." do the scheme with you you know what i'm saying like yeah definitely man uh, i got one i got one last question for you and me. then let's end it are we will we see bartolo cologne pitch this season in the majors here's all i'm gonna say if dallas keiko doesn't have a job neither should bartolo cologne all right that's where that's all where right. i'm gonna leave it at i get so fucking pissed how people love this bartolo cologne you know and he wasn't embroiled in the same, you know, controversies as all these other dudes. Yeah. But they, I'm it, pissed. They consider him like this cute little chubby, you know, whatever the yeah. fuck. <laughs> I'm I'm pissed because of like how other players are, yeah. compared to him. But I'm not pissed because I actually I like Bartolo Colon in the same breath, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean, man. Sorry, I'm sorry, man. I get a little emotional sometimes. Welcome to the show. Play ball. 
<laughs> where we play ball here we go all right um all right let's sign off here <laughs> all right the welcome to the show podcast is brought to you by audible go to audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show to get a 30-day free trial and an audio free audiobook download that's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show and i wanted to add one more thing that i should have said at the beginning of the episode it would really be helpful if you're listening to this right now if you dropped us a rate uh, a rating and a review on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast it helps our podcast get noticed by more people and yeah that's all i have to say ct it's out peace